Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, I'm talking to my eldest son, Jamie. He wanted to know what it was like parenting all the different personalities in the family. So, you just came up with a good idea. Yes, I wanted to, because you're so interested in parenting and the philosophy of parenting, mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of run through on the ways that, because all children are different from each other. And I think that oh, yeah. if we spoke about it, we would actually find some interesting differences in the way um, all of my siblings were raised. And I thought we could reflect on them and bounce off them with our different <laughs> perspectives. That is such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it really is such a good, a good idea. Time. We can sort of say, we can go one by one and then see how they started and how it changed and maybe how the previous one affected uh, the later one. Where do you want to start then? Um, well, I thought we'd start with Ryan. He's the second okay. oldest. So you see, he the like way... a logical place to start with after me. Yeah. He was completely different to you. Because you were, you learned by experience. So you just experienced everything. And it, it was kind of almost like it wasn't real in your world unless you experienced it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so that was how it was. Your style was just let's go and experience it. And Ryan's was I'm going to sit back and watch what happens. And I'll see what kind of outcome my brother has on this before I do anything myself. Ah, that was, I, that was I think Ryan's I've noticed style. that, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. Ryan's style. I always remember we'd have this, me and Ryan would have this idea to do something. I don't know, break into something, go somewhere we shouldn't go. A fun, fun day out <laughs> planned. And Ryan would be like, okay, you do it, Jamie. And I'd be like, no, because then I'm going to get in trouble. Like, you, we both want to do it equally. Why, why do I always have to get in trouble? And it would always end up with me getting in trouble. Like, because he, he, he just wanted to watch. <laughs> he wanted to watch what you did wrong. And then he knew how to do it right. That's Ryan's style of learning. Yeah, he's a scientist. Yeah, whereas you go, you cannot, you, you, and you always were when you were growing up, you're obviously different now but completely incapable of learning from somebody else's experience. If you didn't experience it yourself, it wasn't true. (laughs) So nobody can say to you, Jamie, don't go splashing in the puddles because you're going to get wet and then you're going to be really uncomfortable for the rest of the afternoon. I had to think about that, but you just go, no. <laughs> you top <laughs> off and, and just go, sit in the puddle, you know? You'd splash it out and then you'd sit in the puddle and, and then life would be all over for the rest of the afternoon as far as you were concerned because you were wet. <laughs> and do you, reckon, do you reckon that this trait that Ryan had um, as a little kid sort of carried over into interesting dynamics in parenting? Like I've all, I've never ever said to you or believed that I love you and treat you all the same because you're all different people. So you, I respond to you all in different ways. It's like Keely rarely needed shouting at 
certain others of you, and I'm not going to point the fingers here, didn't get it unless you just, I'm just trying to think how to put it, you just, you've got to try it for yourself and then find out that that doesn't work or you're going to get into trouble for it. So there was, you could never be, as, as far as I'm concerned, for my personality, I can't treat you all the same because you're all completely different people. You were different from the minute you were born. You're, so Ryan... you're, Ryan's an observer. Keely's an observer. Well, you're all observers to a certain extent. It's just that you and Kira in particular have to experience something yourself. It was mm. difficult for you to understand somebody else's experience and take that on board as being, well, that's how it's going to go. So Ryan, he's an observer. You can mm-hmm. tell him that he will be wet and he won't, he will think twice about jumping in the puddle. He'll think, he might still do it, but you can see him going, you can see him working his way through it. And Keely's the same. She'd work, you know, she'd go, mm, okay. She'd think of the consequences and how she was going to feel at the end of it and then decide whether to do it or not most of the time. But for you and Kira, you got enamored with this idea of, oh my God, but that'd be so much fun. (laughs) And that experience, like, oh, I want to feel like that, would be a far greater pull for you than, oh, yeah, and I'm going to feel terrible after I've done it. Okay, so there's probably plenty of people out there who have observer kids like Ryan. Mm. But even though he might listen a bit more, that doesn't necessarily mean that parenting him is smooth sailing, does it? (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) They have, kids like Ryan have their own special, um, what should we call them? What should we call them? Um, Needs? Yeah, um, (laughs) facets. Requirements. They have their own special requirements. Yeah. What would they be? Here's where I struggle with this question because you were so phenomenally clever as a kid. Whatever Ryan did was never, ever as demanding and uh, extreme as, as... the stuff that I had to do for you because your mind was everywhere, just everywhere. And I had to try and stay one step ahead of you. And man, it kept me on my toes. So Ryan just seemed like a doddle because, and I've got to explain to anybody listening here, there's only 17 months difference between the two of you. So you were both toddlers together. The, the other thing, oh, how is it different? He needs more quiet one-on-one time. You needed physical activity as well as mental activity. Ryan never needed so much physical activity. Okay. But I guess what I want to know is, Ryan, you will, because you can pick up the kind of person that Ryan is when he's young, but Mm. you can't necessarily predict what the challenges are going to be in a couple of years' time. Like what Ryan would uh, sort of need when he's 10 and when he's 15, Mm. even though you know the kind of person he is when he's five. And I was just sort of thinking what lessons from his evolution you had picked up. In terms of what? Is there anything you wish you'd done differently? What did you learn? 
what, what, like, what did what, I learn? What, what, yeah, what did Ryan teach you? You're um, on the other side of it now. Ryan I am is on the an other adult. Side of it, no. He is he is an acceptable adult. He's adequate. He um, <laughs> you know, he survives. <laughs> we're not necessarily proud of him, but we're not necessarily disappointed <laughs> by him either. I think what I wish I'd done slightly differently with Ryan is because he was always so sensible, like he was born 40 years old, Ryan. He's actually oh, younger God, now than he, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's way more younger now than he was when he was 10. Yeah. He was born old. And so we treated him older than he actually was. And the expectations were that he was, he could manage stuff. So like when he was in year 12 and he was still 16, all the way through year 12. He finished year 12 before he turned 17. So he was two years younger than, than all the kids are in Australia now when they do that kind of thing. And he was, same as you, house arts captain. He was CEO of cadets and he had a major part in the drama production, still drama production, and he was doing visual arts, which takes up a lot of time. And I was really shocked that he didn't handle it well. I was really shocked that he basically had a meltdown throughout the whole of year 12. I did tell him that he had to stop the drama production. So they pulled his part back a lot more because as CUO, which is captain of the cadet unit, his responsibility was also for the whole of the Western Australian cadets. So he had to organise all sorts of things, as well as the school thing, as well as house arts captain, as well as doing drama as well as doing visual arts as well as doing his year 12 stuff and he didn't handle it and I regret allowing him to take on as much as he did because he seemed it seemed that he was capable of doing it because he was so mature and he actually wasn't because he was still only 16 so I don't know whether you remember but when he went to do the course for the CUO course with the army he had to get special permission because you have to be 17. And when he did it, he'd only just turned 16. So they had to write to army headquarters, whatever it is, and he had to get letters of reference and from school and all sorts of things just to get permission to attend the course. So he was the youngest CUO in Australia. I do remember that. And I remember him being stressed about it, definitely. He was so majorly that's a, that's stressed. Yeah, see, that's an interesting thing. You you wouldn't know that before it happened, because Ryan did. He always seemed like he had everything under control. Just capable, so yeah. capable. And yet, well, I mean, for somebody as clever as Ryan is, he didn't do well in his HSC, which is neither here nor there in the scheme of things, but it really upset him at the time. Mm. He was really heartbroken because he does like to do well. <laughs> Overachieving runs in our family, right? And... It would have been great to have allowed him the option of going, okay, you've got however many things on here, you need to cut them in half so that you can do really well in all of them because you're not going to do really well if you do all of them. So halve them, pick three, and then we'll go for that because if you do six, you're going to flunk out. I think that's a really good, digestible, self-contained lesson for anyone out there with competent quiet kids but Mm. they are still just kids they are still just kids he's not 
a mature adult, even though he seemed like it and he portrayed that he was this mature adult. He did it very well. Mm. That's why he was so successful as CEO. He did it really, really well. Well, moving on to the next child, who is rather different <laughs> to Ryan. <laughs> oh, my Lord, yeah. So Kira was your third child. She is about four years younger than Ryan. She is trusting. She's, oh, when she was a kid, rather carefree, very imaginative, very creative. She was neither really physically active, nor was she really a, a watch and wait kid like Ryan. She just sort of, she really reveled in the moment. I can't mm. think of anyone who enjoyed childhood more than Kira. She really, she was the most childish child, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's not as in immature. It was just being playful. She was completely fairy dust, unicorns. That yeah. was Kira's life. Okay. And uh, at what age would you say you identified that this is the person she was? How old was she? Oh, my Lord. I'll tell you, there was a really key moment. She was maybe two and a half, maybe three. And one of Ryan's classmates had a little sister who was a couple of months older than Kira, who was also called Kira. And her mum and I used to take the two Kiras out to jungle gym or whatever. And this, but this one particular day we went back round to this other Kira's house. Up until that point, I'd been in the space of no gender specific toys, right? She's got all the toys that she needs here. She's got Lego. She's got Thomas engines. She's got sand pits. She's got whatever she wants to play with. I'm not doing the whole doll thing. Forget it. <laughs> we went round to this other Kira's house and I swear to God, Kira walked through the door and you know, she's so expressive. Like she's so self-expressed and she yeah. just stopped and she went, ah! and her hands flew up in the air and she just looked at all these dolls and all this sparkly stuff and all the feathers and the high heels. And she draped herself in every piece of jewellery that she could find. And she had these Barbie high heels on and tutus. And she's got three or four dolls in this pram. And she's wandering around the house, like scooting all the dolls in the pram. And I'm like, where did that child come from? That's not mine. Because <laughs> I am not girly at all and she just loved it and from that moment on that was it yeah that Kira was her walked, look for several oh, years wasn't it wasn't it just 10 necklaces feather boas barbie high heels she wouldn't be seen outside without her high heels on the sparkly high heels and that she just wanted to dress up from that moment and she she must have been i'm just thinking i can picture the photograph she must have been about two two and a half and that was when everything changed for her. That was when she got really arty and she really understood her creativity at that point because she was a fashion queen. She was a diva from being about four. I don't know whether you remember that photograph we've got when Keely was a little baby and Kira's got her leather skirt on, a leather mini skirt and a leather cap with a pink sparkly top on. She was just the fashion queen, the model from that moment on and she really started to be creative at that point and she she didn't live in the same world as the rest of us for several years <laughs> well till she was about 12 <laughs> she was just 
away in her own world and she talked to different people, chatter, chatter, chatter. And I remember when we did up the house and the interior designer wanted to put in tiles or timber floors or something, but we had stairs everywhere. And I'm like, no, I need carpets because Kira wouldn't see the stairs. She just completely missed them. She'd be skipping along in her own fairy world, but then she'd just fall down the stairs. <laughs> like, now we need carpets and no tiles because she just ran into everything. She was the most interesting child. That's interesting. And then, so from going like that as a four or five-year-old, what did that kind of lead into that you would sort of flag as trend or, or big themes? The thing for me was I had to teach Kira how to harness a creativity in a way that worked. Because while it's great to have this really free, um, be present in the moment, all this free mind and everything else, you've also got to function. And what I didn't want for her was for her to be at the mercy of her imagination. She needed to learn how to use her imagination and not have her imagination use her. And I wanted her to be able to step between the two things, to be really free to, to create and do what she wants, but also to function in the real world. But it was fascinating because she said when she was in year 11 and 12, there was a guy in one of her classes at school. She came home one day, she said, Mum, that's how I would have turned out if you hadn't yelled at me so much when I was little and made me concentrate. She said, I could see what you were getting at because I felt really mean. And your dad kept telling me off. He's going, you're just stifling her. And I said, I'm not. I'm trying to get her so that she can function in the real world because right now she can't. She can't even hear people around her. She's not present to her surroundings, she'll walk into things, she'll fall downstairs. I had to keep a hold of her when we we're out walking, even when she was eight or nine, because she would just carry on walking. She wouldn't follow us, I'd just lose her because she'd just be <laughs> skipping off in her own little world. I, you know, if you're out on a road or something, my heart was in my mouth because I couldn't rely on the fact that she'd look and take care of herself because she wouldn't. <laughs> So that was the big thing for me is that I had to be really clear and go, Kira, come back, pay attention. Kira, pay attention. Kira, think about this. Kira, stop, think. Kira, get, come back, come here. And that was hard for me because I felt half the time like I was really killing her imagination. And that wasn't what I wanted her to do. I just wanted her to have a choice. Well, I think she, she worked that out eventually. But whatever line you took, I think it was pretty good because moving to Armadale to go to a horse riding boarding school <laughs> yes. was something that I think is very, very Kira to do. So we lived in Perth and she wanted to go to a school that was two flights away on the other yeah. side of the country at age yeah. 10. And I think what led her to that was just her very imaginative, big dreams kind of you know, she loved the idea of that adventure. And um, yeah, I think did. letting her follow through on that was, was pretty good. Yeah, it was horrible, but she needed to do it. And I needed to let her do it. I, I said to her when I was talking to her the other week, I couldn't say no to that because she was really clear she wanted to go. And 
like with you, she's got to experience things to understand it. I'm not going to stamp on her dreams. You know, she can try it. If it doesn't work, she can come home. But As it, it actually... happened, though, you ended mm. up following her to Armadale. We did. We did. Because <laughs> she thrived at the school. I mean, she got really homesick. And it wasn't... <laughs> she did get really homesick. But, and we missed her terribly. The family was different. It was interesting to see the different dynamics when she'd gone to boarding school. That was very interesting. But it worked for her. What were your well, thoughts when she went away to boarding school? Yeah. I honestly don't remember. Right? <laughs> she clearly wasn't important enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's good. That's a good idea of what. Because Kira was a very unique kid. And I think anyone else with a kid like that would be able to identify them straight away from how we've described her. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just the trajectory from that to who she is now seems quite quite clear it was very difficult with Kira to balance that fine line between making her be present and stifling that imagination that she has it was really difficult it was so difficult to teach her the rudimentary basics of personal safety <laughs> and she never finished things you know, she'd get out of the shower even when she was seven, eight, nine years old and her hair would still be full of shampoo because she'd just forgotten that she'd put the shampoo on her hair or she'd kind of go, shampoo, shampoo, rinse out. I'd go, oh, I'm off doing this. Oh. She'd get distracted. It's, she was, she's like Dory in Nemo when she was <laughs> little. That's exactly what she was like. And it's just so difficult to harness her potential without damaging that potential that was that was really challenging for me well i think knowing that is helpful from the outset and uh to move on to the final one the the dark horse (laughs) shall we say um the queen of the night herself your fourth child keely was something else entirely wasn't she yeah yeah very Um, self-contained is little Miss Keeley always has been and very strong-willed she had you four you three wrapped around her little finger from the day she was born and she knew it yeah so Keeley is yeah self-contained yeah strong-willed she she has a great poker face and she keeps her cards (laughs) close to her chest if she turns her mind to gambling I don't doubt that she would succeed She can bottle her emotions like no one else. She's really good at keeping herself to herself. But it doesn't take too much for her to get comfortable. And then it's kind of like, well, she she can talk. Just she yeah. she can go. So I think it's a learned behaviour, really. What do you think? She's a lot like Ryan in that she's an observer. So I don't know whether you remember, but she didn't speak till she was about two and a half. And I had to say to you three, do not do anything for her until she uses the words. You've got to make her use the words. She knows them. She just doesn't need to use them because she just sits in the middle of the floor and yells until one of you brings whatever it is she wants. (laughs) And then I think Ryan famously 
just after I'd said that, he said to Keely, he went and got whatever it was she wanted and he brought it over to her and he said in the way Ryan had, he could be quite pompous when he was little Ryan. And he said to Keely quite pompously, what's the magic word, Keely? And she said, now. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of sums up Keely's personality so she's, she's an very, observer, but she's an observer. A different caliber to Ryan. Not caliber, just different. They're quite alike in a lot of ways. I wouldn't say that one is more observant than the other. They're just different, and maybe that comes from male female thing. I don't know, but it's different personalities. She's not a mini Ryan by any stretch of the imagination. What was my lesson from Keely? I know that's what you're going to ask next. Honest to God, my lesson is. I was saying to one of my friends a couple of years ago, I honestly feel like Keely's had to drag herself up because I'm so over bringing up children that I don't really do anything for her. Nothing like what I did for you at her age. So maybe the lesson for me isn't so much in parenting. It's about the fact that because I can do it because I've already done it three times, it doesn't feel like I'm having to do as much as I did do. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Because I do, honest to God, feel like she's dragged herself up because I've had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Not in a very long time, which is a terrible thing to say. But I'm kind of like, no, I've been doing this whole mothering thing for how old are you? 20, nearly 26? Almost 26, mum. So I'm kind of, yeah, okay, I've had enough now. But then also she is like Ryan in that she will take on other people's experiences she pushes the boat sometimes way more than Ryan ever did but she's also quite sensible about it so if she gets caught she gets caught she doesn't sulk or have tantrums or you know tell me I'm a horrible mother or anything like that she just hands up and she owns it it's which is pretty amazing out, isn't it the last one the one that you perhaps put the least effort into yeah. the one who <laughs> reacts the best when it comes to yeah. learning lessons and actually requires the least effort I, th- I often wondered about that when she was very little because there's nine years between you and Keely isn't there and I did wonder about it because I was so busy with you three that Keely got very little attention I remember my mum came over when Keely was born and she held Keely pretty much 24 hours a day but well Apart from the few hours mum was in bed, she had hold of Keely. And I remember going mad at her because I'm like, when you go, what's she going to do? I can't carry around everywhere. She's just not going to be picked up that much. I've got three other kids. And that was part of the thing. Keely had to be more or less dependent than you, particularly because you were the only child. Keely was the fourth. So she got picked up by you a fair bit. Keely used to use her as a doll. She put her in a baby born pram and dress her up in a baby born stuff <laughs> and wheel around the house. But she didn't get as much of my attention because that wasn't practically possible. No, you, you can't do it when you have no. four of them. So it's something I've often wondered how much of it is nurture and how much is nature. Okay, so here we are. We're at the end of the fourth child. She is doing her own thing. You're yep. looking back on four children. Oh left or about to leave yeah what's what's your what's your take on it which one did you do the best on i don't you're all different that's like saying 
do you treat them all the same? No, you're all different. I'm both having oh. all four of you. Mum, it's just you, me, and your listeners. You can tell me. Because <laughs> your siblings are never going to listen to this, right? <laughs> we, we both know who, who the, the best, the, the most worthwhile child was. Mum, you can say it. Go on. <laughs> the easiest one was Keely, because she's the fourth, and I had to do the least for her. As an eldest child, you got the short end of the stick, because I had to learn everything with you. That's hard. Mm. Because, you know, I had my L plates on thoroughly all through your life. You did everything first. The obvious thing is watching videos. When you were little, I was adamant about what videos you could and couldn't watch. But by the time Keely was five or six or seven, she had a 16-year-old brother. <laughs> she was watching all sorts of stuff. It's a completely different thing. As eldest child, you were the one that was having to move me forward as a parent. So you're like the bow of the ship. Keely's just sitting at the back, happy as. Been there, done that with three others of you, you know, get over it. Mm. Whatever she does, you would always have the hardest deal from me because you were my learning as eldest that's, child. That's the way it goes, though. And I it don't is. think it could be any other way for anybody. Same for all of us. I mean, I do think you're lucky in that you weren't a girl because from my point of view as being a girl and the eldest is a double whammy, particularly when I was young, you know, because girls can't <laughs> do this, girls can't do that. And I used to go mental because my five-year younger brother could do things that I still wasn't allowed to do. <laughs> so I think in spite of the mistakes that I made, and there are many, you've all done well. I'm proud of all of you. I think you've done a good job then. Oh, thank you, darling. Yeah, I, when I look on all three of the others, I can't really reflect on myself because of bias. <laughs> when I look on the other three, I think, yeah, they're all very considerate, conscientious, good people. Thanks. And what a wonderful note to end on, I think. Oh, that was lovely. Thank you, darling. No, no, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.